0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. There's was old, long time ago. There's an old lawyer that was talking to a, a guy that had been arrested and was in prison, and so the lawyer came up to him and I was talking to him there at the jail and said, "Well, Johnny, so uh, you want me to defend you? You got any money?" And Johnny looked at him and said, no, sir, I, but I've got a mule and a few chickens and a hog or two. And so the lawyer said, well, all right, that'll do fine. So, so what are you accused of stealing? And he said, uh, a mule and a few chickens and a hog or two. So obviously today, that's where we're going. We're going to talk about commandment number eight, thou shalt not steal. I blatantly, openly, intentionally broke this commandment one time probably more than well more than one time, but one in particular. Uh, most of y'all know that uh uh and confession's good for you, that's why I'm doing this. So uh but uh, most of you know that Lake Tiakata is a big part of my family. How many of y'all know about Lake Tiakata? A right, bunch of y'all right, so Louisville, Mississippi um, uh anyway, so it's a big been a part of my family for a long time. We do family reunions there, we do we did Christmas there for years and years um so it's been a part of my family for a long time i mean when i was a little kid and uh, long when i was a little kid uh mom and daddy bought this little tiny camper and we pulled it behind our 1972 gmc pickup truck that daddy had and we pulled it over to lake teacotta one time to go camping and so one morning tim my older brother he's three years older than me um uh, tim and i were just little fellers and and we got up and we walked over to the to the restaurant. If you've been to Teacotta, you know what I'm talking about. Just the main building there, the restaurant that's right on the lake. Well, when you go in the door there, as soon as you walk in, uh, uh, you walk around a corner to where the restaurant is, but you walk past a wishing well that's very accessible for little boys. And so Tim and I walked past, like that. No, we didn't walk past. We stopped. We stopped at the wishing well and looked around, nobody was in the lobby at that time. So we got down on our hands and knees and totally emptied that thing. I mean, raked every penny, every nickel, every quarter out of there, stuffed it into our pockets, went walking back to our campsite, ching, 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 with our pockets, of water running down the front of our, our pants legs there. Got in the little camper on the little formica table there in the front part of the camper, put it all up there and just started one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me until the door of the camper opened and daddy stepped in and uh so the rest of the story i'm just gonna leave it alone after that but uh it was not a pretty sight after that we did return the money and and uh but man we just blatantly broke that commandment just thou shalt not steal i don't care i'm taking it and so we did um you know if you've ever had something stolen from you know it it brings some bad feelings uh feelings of anger Hopelessness, most I've heard many people say, and I've said it myself, man, I can't stand a thief. Uh, maybe sometimes we use a little stronger language than that, but, but it's not like, it, it brings a lot of harsh feelings. When Vicki and, Vick and I got out of seminary, um, from New Orleans Seminary, 1989, I finished up my master's degree in 89, and we moved to Jackson, moved back to Jackson from New Orleans to Southside Baptist Church on Raymond Road may know where that is there right off of Ellis Avenue. And we lived right there beside the church. The The church owned a house that used to be the, the pastor's home, the pastorium back when churches used to provide their pastors with homes. And, well, the pastor of the church had, had bought his own home over close to Wingfield High School. And so there was a house there. And the church said, look, y'all come on staff. Y'all can just live here. And so we had a house. And so we came home and brought uh, Reese uh, home. He was uh, uh, little little fella and then uh, Rachel was born while we were at Southside Baptist Church And so we had two little kids there living in that house and in the time that we stayed there We were broken into twice in that home and uh, It uh, luckily we were not home either time But that's a horrible feeling if you've ever had that feeling you know for Vicky to call me and say uh, you know the, the garage door has been kicked open there's a broken window in the back of the house and there's blood on the wall where the guy you know climbed in and you know, stole my daddy's class ring, stole some jewelry from Vicky that was very, very precious to her, and things like that. And we'll never get that stuff back. And boy, it's just you just you know, you just have bad feelings toward the person that did that. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about this eighth commandment, Exodus chapter twenty, verse fifteen. If you want to open your Bible to that, we're just going to read that one commandment. You could probably say it out loud with me. Stand up, and let's read it. And we'll uh, we'll jump into the sermon. Exodus twenty, verse fifteen. You shall not steal there it is Uh, may God bless the reading of that commandment let's pray together help us now God as we study your word to hear from you today Lord and to figure out how this applies to our lives right now today and apply it to our lives and be obedient to you in Jesus name I pray amen thanks so much you may be seated so like some of the previous commandments the main point of this commandment is pretty clear and pretty easy to understand for the vast majority of us it says that's good old king james thou shalt not steal you shall not steal and so you do the word study you you know like i've talked to you about and when you're reading old testament if you can find out what the hebrew words mean that's good it helps you understand because the old testament was written in hebrew study new testament find some words you can study the greek and get some because new testament is written in greek get some deeper meanings and sometimes there's uh, because those two languages are are uh, are different obviously different from the english language but they've got a lot more meanings to them sometimes the words do but this word means what we know it means i mean you look up the hebrew and the hebrew says to carry away it means to take that which belongs to another without his or her consent or knowledge stealing uh, that's what it is and and so it's it's a deed that is done uh, uh secretly it's it's done uh intentionally just like we talked about murder. Uh, murder is intentionally taking someone's life. Um, it, it, stealing is done secretly. It's done intentionally. It's done um, maliciously. And, and it's, it, it ain't right. There's some other verses in the Bible that talk about stealing in different ways and different meanings of uh, you know, what different ways that we can steal. Uh, the Bible condemns burglary like Vic and I had been through. Some of you have been through. It condemns burglary. Exodus chapter twenty-two, verse two. It says, "If a thief is caught in the act of breaking in, and he is beaten to death, <laughs> there is no one guilty of bloodshed." Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I could have caught him, it would, you know. Uh, and and so so it includes burglary. It includes kidnapping. A, a horrendous crime. A horrendous. Horrifying thing to think about, but obviously it includes that. Exodus chapter 21, verse 16. It says, "Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death." That happens today. Trafficking is a huge thing today. that people are stolen, with a lot of times children,'re stolen and then sold into trafficking. It can be sex trafficking. It can be all kinds of trafficking. It could be uh, work trafficking, a, a, a type of slavery that still exists in our day and age where people are stolen and sold, kidnapped and sold for trafficking purposes. So that's a real deal today. So it applies to us today. The New Testament talks about, um, talks about stealing and tells us, listen, tells us that, those, that that thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, listen to what 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 if you want to jot those verses down 1st Corinthians 6 9 and 10 it says this from the Phillips translation it says have you forgotten? That the kingdom of God will never belong to the wicked Don't be under any illusion Neither the impure the idolater or the adulterer neither the effeminate the pervert or the thief neither the swindler the drunker The drunkard, the foul-mouthed, or the rapacious, the rapacious means greedy, shall have any share in the kingdom of God. Does that mean that I'm going to go to hell because I stole the money out of a wishing well? No, it means this is talking about people who are in that lifestyle. People that, because they don't know Christ, they just live in a lifestyle of thievery and idolatry and adultery and effeminate uh, lifestyles and drunkardness and foul mouth. just... uh, you don't know Christ this is your lifestyle and you ain't going you ain't going to heaven And and that's what this is talking about this man stealing is serious business with God Serious business with God man. I, I, there's a story in the Old Testament book of Joshua you Remember when Joshua and the people walked, marched around the city of Jericho You remember singing that little song when you were a kid Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and anyway you remember joshua chapter 6 the the god told him said i'm going to give you the city of jericho and so this way you're going to do it you're going to go out there and you're going to march around the city and then on the seventh day you march around seven times and you blow the trumpet. and everybody holler and when you holler that's the southern translation you holler and when you holler the walls are going to fa- fall down and then you go in and take the city it's yours take it i'm giving it to you and so that's what they did seventh day blew the trumpet Trumpet hollered walls fell down went in but God said very clear through Joshua the leader of the people Very clearly said to him. So when the when the walls come down now You go in and take the city everything in the city You take it But the valuable stuff in there and You're gonna see a whole lot of valuable stuff because there's gonna be homes everywhere people everywhere You get a lot of valuable stuff all the valuable stuff you you don't keep that for yourself. You get Joshua said We got to give that to God it belongs to him that belongs to God so don't keep anything for yourself. There's a guy named Achan, A-C-H-A-N. And Achan was one of the ones, trumpet blew, hollered. He went in to help take the city. But Achan went in, and he saw this real beautiful robe, like from Babylon or Egypt or something like that. I can't remember which one, but he saw this robe. And he thought, man, that's pretty. And then he saw a pile of silver. I mean, there's a bunch of silver, a bunch of silver everywhere. But he saw this pile. And then he saw this gold bar. Now, this gold bar is everywhere. It's just one. Come on. Just a robe, a little pile of silver, and a gold bar. So he took it, took it back to his tent, buried it. That's Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 7 tells another story that God told, the, told uh, Joshua and the people, said, all right, I want you all to go and, and conquer this next group of people. And the next group i can't remember the name of the next group of people they weren't a it wasn't like this big massive army big massive nation it was a pretty small easy to conquer group of people that got to go take them so Joshua said, said, right, we're going to send a little small force out there a little small army i'm not going to send everybody but just a small because the, these guys pushovers sent this group out there they got they got whooped our joshua's people they got whooped 36 guys died 36 guys died lost their lives They came running back with their tails tucked between their legs, going, what? And Joshua, what happened? That wasn't supposed to happen. So he started investigating. What's going on here? Why did God let that happen? Well, the reason he let it happen is because the people were under his hand of discipline because of Achan's sin. Because Achan had stolen what God said, don't take for yourself. Achan stole it. Joshua finally did the investigation. Achan finally owned up to it said, this is what I did. I did it. Here it is. It Gave the stuff out. and And then they dragged Achan and his whole family out of the city and stoned them and put them to death. Because God's serious about us not taking stuff that don't belong to us. It's serious business with God. I mean, even, G- even Jesus had to deal with a thief. I'm not talking about the thief on the cross that went to heaven with him. That was a wonderful story. But he had to deal with a thief in his own group of disciples, Judas. Judas. You remember Judas? He's the one that betrayed Jesus. Well, before he tra- betrayed Jesus in John chapter 12, we find out that it very clearly says in John chapter 12, that Judas did not care about poor people. By the way, the church is always supposed to care about poor people. That's part of our calling as a church is to take care of poor people. Judas didn't care. John 12 says he didn't care about the poor because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, Judas was the treasurer of the disciples, so he was in charge of the money bag, and it says in having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. I mean, that's serious business, man. That you're taking money that is given to be able to use to help poor people, and Judas is pulling money out and sticking it in his own pocket. I mean, there's so many ways that we break this commandment. I mean, sometimes we do steal someone else's possessions, whether it's a little kid when you're raking out the uh, wishing well or sticking a piece of bubble gum in your pocket or a soda pop in your pocket from the corner store when you are a little kid or something like that. Or we do, we steal other people's possessions. Sometimes we steal other people's, someone else's money, we we embezzle money from our employer, we cheat on our taxes, we shade the books a little bit, we steal someone else's husband or wife through adultery, we steal someone else's time, not giving an honest day's work for an honest day's wages, or stealing time from your family, or we steal someone else's answers on a test or an exam at school, or we steal from God. By withholding our tithes from him, stealing is evil, sinful, and disgusting in every form. And that's the application for this message today, that as Christ followers, we must avoid stealing in any and every form. So how do we do that? Now, the, I mean, obviously, we can do it by just obeying commandment number eight. Thou shalt not steal... Sing the invitation song and go home and just don't steal. But I think there's some other ways that we can, some antidotes, I'm calling them, for stealing. Some things I think, I really believe, we put these into place in our life, we're going to be much less likely to be guilty of this sinful, evil, disgusting thing. Antidote number one is contentment. Contentment. One of the ways that the enemy tempts us to steal, listen to me now, hang on with me. One of the ways that the enemy tempts us to steal is by sowing seeds of discontentment in our minds. In other words, we, we covet what someone else is, has. Now, we'll get, that's commandment number 10, so Lord willing, we'll be there in two weeks and we'll talk. Specifically about what that means. but man, social media makes this um, an easy thing for us to do. Now, we're all on social media, you know, and y'all been seeing that vicky has been celebrating her birthday all week long and we ain't through yet and all that kind of stuff. And you, you, we see people's grandkids and we see folks on vacation and we see people buying a new house or somebody getting a new boat or we see this or that or something like that. And what you don't see is you don't see the times when Vicki and I are fighting with each other. We don't post pictures of us up in each other's face when we're fighting and stuff. Y'all don't, we don't want y'all to see that we're real people and we disagree on stuff and I'm always right and stuff like that. And, and y'all know that I'm in trouble now for even saying that. And I'm not going to post that on Facebook. But you know that that's, you know, we, you don't see that stuff. But you see the happy families and you go, man, look, golly, I wish my, my family was that happy. See the new house. God, man, wow. Wish I had a house like you see the people on vacation. Man, I wish I could afford that. And man, all of a sudden, those seeds of discontentment and start growing. And the enemy loves that. He loves when we start doing that. Because we want what is, we want what is not ours. Or listen, we think, we think we have to have what other people have. Or what we perceive they have, because like I said, you don't see the rest of the story. You don't see the credit card bills. You don't see their bank accounts. You don't see the fights. You don't see the ugliness that is in all of our lives in different times in different ways. So we, when we start down this road, we're headed in a dangerous direction you know, we, we, we need some extra money to try to step up our image where we can kind of look like we got it going on, like everybody, like we think everybody else has it going on. And so we need a little extra money. So we pad that expense report just a little bit more. Or we stop giving to the church or we we cheat on our taxes or on that tax return. And we do some stuff here and there. And we start thinking these kinds of thoughts because this is what the enemy starts to helping us, starts tempting us to think, well, you know, it's just a little bit. This isn't that much. The church really doesn't need my money. I mean there's so many more people in that church make so much more money than me and they don't need my little money and stuff like that or you know I'm going to pay it back as soon as I can and all that kind of stuff that discontentment or sometimes we experience a season we we experience a season of discontentment in our marriage So we start thinking these dangerous entertaining, these dangerous thoughts of stealing someone else's spouse who we think will make us happier. And can I tell you something right now? God does not care about your happiness when your happiness runs completely counter to the Word of God. Can I get an amen there from somebody? I don't know where we came up with this idea that God's this magic, this genie that's going to wave his little magic wand and just make us all happy all the time. He's not all about you being happy. He is about you being obedient. Amen? That's another good place to say amen. Y'all can say amen. That is okay, I promise. Paul knew about contentment. Jot down Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Apostle Paul. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. And listen to how he said this. Pay close attention to his words. He said, I have learned. Three words. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And then he said it again. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And then he said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstances whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or living in want i can do all things through christ who gives me strength our, our our sin nature is not naturally content it's contentment is something that we have to learn paul said i have learned your your sin nature is not content your sin nature is constantly wanting things that don't belong to you constantly tempting you to to step into a direction that you're not supposed to go or or think something you're not supposed to say something you're not supposed to say your sin nature is not naturally content contentment is something that we have to learn as we grow in our walk with christ and we learn contentment by being (laughs) by being quiet before the lord Instead of grumbling and complaining about what we don't have. We, we, we learn contentment by being quiet before the Lord. Ian mentioned it, spending time with the Word, spending time in prayer. We learn it by avoiding sin. We learn contentment by having a cheerful spirit. We learn contentment by being thankful. Which leads us to the next antidote, the antidote of gratitude. You need to learn to be thankful we need to quit bellyaching about what we don't have and be thankful for what we do have amen and i want to say this especially i think right now in the present economic conditions of our nation this is something we got to work on now there's some legitimate things for us to be upset about i think because of things that are going on in our nation but still we got to stop complaining and bellyaching about all the stuff we don't have and be thankful for what we do have. Do you have a house to live in? We'll be thankful. Are you going to have food on your table when you get home from church today? We'll be thankful. Did you have a vehicle to drive to church today? We'll be thankful. You ever gotten in your car and just cranked it up before you pull out of the driveway? go, God, thank you for my car. I'm serious. God, thank you for my truck. That's just something simple, but I think it's it's significant that we learn to be thankful for those kinds of things. It's so important because our gratitude, listen, our gratitude leads to generosity. When we're grateful, we are much more willing and able and willing to give instead of take. When we're living with a thankful heart, when we're living with a generous heart, that generosity leads to, uh, gratitude leads to generosity. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from days gone by, said this. He said, it is the nature of God. Listen to this quote. It is the nature of God to be very generous in his dealings. He opens his hand and supplies the want of every living thing. He is the God of bounty. So be thankful today, man. Cultivate a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. Be thankful for God's generosity, like Spurgeon said. He is hes It's his nature to be generous. To so be thankful that God is generous with you. Be thankful that God supplies all of our needs. Be thankful, as Spurgeon said, that he's the God of bounty. Bill Eliff is going to preach our revival in August, August 14th through 17th, and this past, I, get, I, I subscribe to his blog, and so I'd encourage you to do that. I'll give you his address if you want to subscribe to it. Great, writes great short devotion blogs each week, a couple of times a week, and they're just awesome. One dropped in my email box just a few days ago as I'm working on this sermon. He didn't know I was working on this sermon, and so, but he wrote this in his blog. Without the antidote of gratitude, we gradually worship the creature rather than the creator. When we're not grateful for God uh, to God for his blessings we start thinking about ourselves instead of thinking about him which is what Bill goes on to say we forget God which becomes the worst possible scenario you're gonna want to be here for revival when Bill's preaching by the way I'm gonna be great so when we live with this this constant heart of gratitude toward God we're we're much less likely to give in to the temptation to take what is not ours in whatever way you would take something. First, Paul said in First Thessalonians five eighteen, he said, "Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. We're not thankful. Hey, we're not thankful for cancer, are we? Not, we're not thankful for cancer. Hey, his 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 father's going through cancer, so not thankful for cancer. Some of you are dealing with stuff like that." Uh, we're not thankful for those things, but we can be thankful in those things. But then Paul went on to say, but this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know how you live a thankful life? You make sure that you're in Christ Jesus. Because let me tell you something, when you are in Christ Jesus, you have everything that you need and you have every reason to be thankful. So are you in Christ Jesus? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? The next antidote is the antidote of perspective. Got a couple more. I'm gonna do this one quick, and then finish up with the last one. Antidote of perspective, because gratitude leads uh, gratitude to God leads to the right perspective in life. Here's what I mean by that: If you're living with a worldly perspective, the worldly perspective, if you're living with the world's perspective, and we all have to fight against it, we all have to battle against it. And the way we do that is by staying in the Word, staying in prayer, and all that. We'll talk about that in just a minute but the world's perspective is is a perspective that is fueled by greed and lust and pride and when you are living with a worldly perspective that is fueled by greed and lust and pride you'll do anything to satisfy your worldly desires because when you're leading with when you when you've got that greed in your life then greed will lead you to steal money to satisfy those greedy desires Lust will lead you to steal someone else's spouse to satisfy those lustful cravings. Pride will lead you to steal someone else's place of prominence so you'll look better and satisfy your prideful longings. You see, it's a matter of perspective. Our gratitude to God leads us to keep our perspective on Him and not the world's perspective and the last antidote, which is the strongest of all, is the antidote of faith. The antidote of faith is the strongest antidote against stealing. Our deep, abiding faith in God is what will be the strongest antidote against us stealing anything from anybody. Because listen, y'all, when you absolutely know, and then my w- notes here, the word know is in all capital letters. When you absolutely know that God is faithful, how many of you know God's faithful? Amen? God is faithful. When you absolutely know that God is faithful, when you know that He will take care of your every need, how many of you know that He will take care of your every need? And when you absolutely live in that knowledge, you know it, and then you live in that knowledge you have no need to steal anything from anybody. No need whatsoever. You won't steal money to cover your bills because you know that God will be faithful to supply your every need. You won't steal your boyfriend's or girlfriend's virginity because you know that God's plan for purity before marriage is the best plan. You won't steal time from your spouse or your family by spending an inordinate amount of time on your phone or your computer or at work or in your hobbies because you know that God's plan for your marriage and family is the perfect plan. You won't steal from the Lord by withholding your tithes because you know that God has promised to bless those who honor Him with their money. You won't steal someone else's thunder because you know that all God wants you to do is to glorify him with your life. And you won't worry about anybody else getting the credit for anything. So you won't try to steal the spotlight from somebody else. You see, our faith in God must be the driving force in every area of our life. Let me give you this last scripture passage and wrap this thing up. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Ephesians is my favorite book in the Bible. Ephesians four, twenty-two through 24. Listen to what's written. Paul said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then in verse 28, he adds this, and anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. In an instant, Paul connected that back to holiness and living for God. So here's what he's saying here, and I'll wrap this up. It all starts with us placing our faith in Christ alone for our salvation. That's, that's the putting off and the putting on. You put off your old self, and you put on the new self that is found only in Christ. So have you done that? Do you know for sure today that you have? Put off the old self and have put on the new self because nothing else matters except that So once you do that it starts with that I'm going to be baptizing here in just a few minutes in this next service of someone that has uh, Done that Sarah Payton Queen has done that and so I'm going to baptize her and her baptism is going to be a picture of that Of putting off the old self and the new self being raised to walk in the newness of life So have you done that? And then it starts with that and then it continues with us being made new put off the old self put on the new self that is constantly being made new in the attitude of your minds as we constantly grow in our faith by staying in the Word by staying in prayer by, by growing in our prayer life by getting connected to and staying connected to a church family and if it's this one then get connected some of you need to join the church Join the church, make that commitment, take that step of faith, join this body of believers, join us in doing the work that God's called us to do. You need us and we need you, so come on and make that commitment. And then live in that holy life. Being made new, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And one way that we live that holy life is by not stealing anymore in any way, shape, or form. So today my invitation to you is for some of you to take that first step of faith Of putting off the old and putting on the new For others of you. It's a step of solidifying that faith You've wandered from the Lord. You're not living for him Maybe you are stealing some stuff Maybe you are stealing or have stolen and there's some Repentance that needs to happen in your life Maybe somebody does need to make a commitment to this church family, make that connection, make that connection, get connected here so that we can help you grow in your walk with the Lord. It's so necessary for all of us, especially if we're going to make sure that we're not stealing anything that doesn't belong to us, belongs to someone else in any way, shape, or form. Come to Christ today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us now in these moments of invitation lord to be obedient to you whatever it is that you're calling us to do lord for somebody today god that needs faith in christ needs to come to jesus and be saved that right now before it's too late lord they'll call out to you and take that step of faith and be saved today lord for others that are not walking with you that have wandered off and are not living for you that today would be the day that they'll renew that commitment to you others that need to connect with our church family lord that they'll come and make that connection today lord whatever it is god Maybe somebody's being called to the ministry today, Lord, as a result of you speaking through Ian today, Lord. Of whatever the decision needs to be made today, Lord, help us to be obedient to you now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.